clap sync. Three, two, one. Damn, that last one was like. Yeah, who was that? Don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell. Unlucky. They're fired. If you don't hear them next week, you yeah. will know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is super funny too. In the context of like, you know, we're like, so we we were all talking before the show about like, Gabe can't make it today. We're gonna announce that right now. We're announcing it. But also like, he he is always the one who makes like the rest of piece Gabe jokes when he's not here. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so I was just thinking like. Like, how funny it would be to, like, just actually fire someone and then just, like, I don't know. It's just it's just ridiculous. Just that whole premise of firing someone or, or them leaving or, or whatever. It's just, it's just it's always funny because we're, we're a big, happy family over here, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like now that you've explained the joke quite a bit, it's really landed. You think so? Yeah. Like, give it one more rep, you think? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe go through it one more time to just make sure that people at home really understand why it's funny. Okay, no, no, so no, it's no, funny. times. Okay. Well, don't encourage him, Raphael. Yeah, I'll do it, <laughs> dude. I yeah, I I definitely do like to like. There's two. There's two like kind of triggers for me. Like not triggers in the more like modern sense, but like triggers in like the more traditional sense of like getting me to say the exact same point again in slightly different words. The first is if someone sounds like they don't understand, like right, and that seems reasonable. Then you just like say it again. Although if you say it very similarly, it's like what were you really hoping to accomplish? But, like, that is literally me in my mind being like, no, I said it clear. I'll just try again, which mm-hmm. is really ridiculous. But the other one that's even more Wait, ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there's McCoy, two I things understand. that I will say oh, uh, over and over again. And the first is that if oh, – I'm actually doing a bad job. Of yeah, you're doing, a, you're doing a bad job here. Well, I was thinking about the second thing. and I, Yeah, I I'm not sure ready. I understand. Yeah, so that's the first one. If you don't understand, then I try to go for it again. But the other one is if someone starts saying, like – essentially that it's like a good point, then the literally worst thing I will ever do, and you'll hear this on this podcast, and I'm sorry for cluing you in on this because you'll never escape it. If someone starts like giving me positive feedback, then I will just start saying it again, which just cheapens it. I feel like you're like like a puppy. Yeah, that's a really good point. (laughs) So like the second one, it... (laughs) No, it's like a puppy that you're trying to train, you know, and they don't quite understand what they're doing right, but they will just sit for literally every, like, I don't care what, I'm just going to sit. Like, that's mm-hmm. going to do it. That's you and your point. You're just like, I'm just going to say this over and over again. Someone's yeah. going to like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, little do you know, there's also a third one, McCoy, that you do, which is okay. where when someone uses blatant sarcasm, you, and it, it, this is out of the goodness of your heart, but you genuinely take it as the not understanding, and you're like, ah, so here I will go explaining, and everyone has to be like, no, 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 we're joking, we're joking. No, but see, what's <laughs> fucked up is that, like, I usually, it's like, I was talking to Elena about this concept last night, which is that, like, I do know that you're joking, but I am, like, going through it. In a ridiculous way. Yeah, he refuses like, oh, I know to you're acknowledge joking, it. But you're joking because you don't understand. And so that's point one. And so I'll repeat myself. It's like his social <laughs> intelligence is very high. Like he can tell that you either didn't understand it or are being sarcastic or making a joke. But he does not care yeah. and doesn't accept that response. So he will just go through it again with you until he gets the response he's looking for. That's right. <laughs> I, because I because in my head it's a very simple equation. Like I have this feeling and if I can just convey it to you, you will feel the same way. And if someone's like, "Oh, I don't feel the same way." I'm just like, "Okay, you must have heard it wrong." <laughs> <laughs> Let's try again. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be possible that you have a different perspective on this. That just doesn't seem right. And then there's <laughs> someone's like, "Ha ha, I do." And I'm like, "Ha ha. Time for that to change." Like <laughs> 
one must all. I will lull you into submission. Yes. So here is the <laughs> thing, right? So Gabe's obviously not here today, and we will mm -hmm. eventually introduce. Because this is part two for Life is Strange, right? So in theory, people understand mostly. We might do the intro again. I might have somebody do that. But before we get there, there is a clock situation happening right now. Gabe is on the clock right now because he's out there working or doing something that's reasonable or whatever with this time, and he can't make it. But we have already po uh, posed the challenge uh, or the threat that if he doesn't come back with a written response review for this game, by the end of this podcast, we are just going to read a Steam review <laughs> and attribute yep. it to him. So, you know, wish him speed. Complete with the luck. thumb review. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Wow, you should search for thumb. No. Okay. <laughs> it's, no, no, it's no. Gonna, they, it's going to go on They give a thumb up record. or thumb down on Steam, right? Oh, perfect. Uh, yep, exactly. Yeah. Oh, but I'll, I'll give it an even... I'll give it the tot treatment it'll be great oh, yeah we'll give it the spiritual <laughs> Glad to hear it. thumb that it deserves the spiritual and then thumb. what we need to do we just all need to make a mental note that come game of the year we oh, need to just yes. rip him to shreds over his review of life is strange i really <laughs> think like, you oh, missed that man. <laughs> yeah exactly oh my god that's hella good oh. but what is the tot treatment well we are the tyranny of thumbs gaming podcast where we play that's a game right. each week and then we talk about it and we are joined this week by our usual suspects of McCoy, James, and myself, Zoe. And then, because this is a part two, we also have brought on the guests that have appeared for the first part of this game, Raphael and Elena. Hello. Hi. And yes, so what is this part two? It is part two of Life is Strange Before the Storm. We decided to fully play through <laughs> what we call a, a trashy drunk playthrough of this game and originally we went into it being like oh we'll play episode three in the bonus episode and then it turned into let's just play episode three because good lord we can't do this again <laughs> we need to be good to ourselves mm -hmm. but that yeah. is a-okay oh I, I sorry i didn't fully understand could you repeat it <laughs> God damn it. No. Joke okay. is gonna get old really fast. Uh-huh. Well let me just explain it more so that way I can land oh, like God you told me to do we're, earlier. We're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> I just I thought we had the key to camera there, but okay. Fair enough. But okay. Unlike unlike the first week, uh I did not come in with a page full of notes. Uh so I am treading water out here, guys, and you guys will need to help me <laughs> with this last episode, mainly in just it is the end of a prequel, yeah. and I feel like we all had some thoughts <laughs> as yeah. to wh whether we like this game. And in my head, I'm thinking, I feel like this is going to be a rather critical episode, question mark, <laughs> of this game. Um, but also, I guess before we go into that, this will be you, the listeners, spoiler warning for both Life is Strange Before the Storm as well as most likely life is strange the first game um mm -hmm. so yeah if you're in a part two of life is strange before the storm and you don't want spoilers get out now <laughs> yeah. otherwise we're good to go dude i wonder if anybody listens and potentially not with this episode because the banter was of a quality but um <laughs> i do ever because like sometimes i'll be listening to episodes of of, of shows and things that have spoilers associated with them and i'm like fuck the banter so flames this episode that I like I really wish I wanted mm -hmm. X Games. I don't think we have to be worried about anybody thinking that about this one. Oh, you don't think so? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Can so, you explain why? 
Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, where on the doll did the joke not land? I think it's how I'd like Jesus to describe Christ. it. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like Yeah, I would also <clears throat> say that like I guess that's one way we can we can take this game and potentially talking about this game is that actually that's your transition point well wait for it motherfucker okay um let's hear it here's a here's a fun fact i'm trying to make the transition happen right now and struggling so okay so here's the thing right what i was saying wow you have really ruined this (laughs) (laughs) unfortunate but yeah like if you want to talk about uncomfortable things and potentially going a little bit too far these games are a bit older and i feel like we have this like strange sort of kind of reverse uh trajectory in in society where there were parts of this game where i was like hmm this is a bit far like i was i i can't believe they're touching on this source material or this sort of thing um and i feel like while it wasn't like just casual back in the day, I feel like it was less of a deal than I think it is now. Like for instance, like there was that scene with Elliot, a character who's not a character until they just decided to make him a character. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the guy who texts you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he just like randomly follows you to some lady's house. No, some dude's, well, I guess everyone's house, right? The the Rachel's house. And then just yeah, like- Yeah, everyone's house. You in yeah. an office and then just like threatens you and you're just like interesting like where where did this come from why is this like i i find myself thinking and you're a like lot in the modern day what's interesting about that to me is that he had such a lack of mm-hmm. understanding of what he was doing yeah um it was like almost intentional blindness like i feel like the game said to him you are committing assault right now and he was like, no, we're leaning into it. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm just trying to get a point um, across. And actually, it, yeah. it brings up a really bizarre, like, situation where it's like, if he didn't intend to do this, but he was just acting like he was doing this, it's such a weird place to be, right? It's such a weird place to be because it's like, he was like, oh, I wouldn't do any of those things that you think I'm threatening. Oh, but I'm, like, threatening all those things. I mean, I think that's, like, sort of a... I don't know, a trope is the wrong word, but I think that can happen in reality of like someone being like, yeah, well, I would probably. never, like I wouldn't be doing those things, but they they are. Like that's, mm. you know, like a blindness to yourself and your own behavior and thinking that you're okay while you do not okay things. I didn't think that that was off. I, I, I did though. I know last week we were sort of praising the writing of this and saying like for a lot i mean okay there's good and bad with the writing which we discussed last week some of it is truly awful a lot of the like bantery portions where it's like you look look at an object and it's like ooh, funny moment are just really dull but the and then like all the unicorns died yep <laughs> but sort of like the plot writing of this we were saying that we thought was better than it was in um life is strange one but I mm-hmm. thought that this part in particular with Elliot was bizarre and out of left field and was just poor writing. Not in terms of the actual scene itself. Like the actual scene itself, if you it was like you just played that, would seem fine, I think. But Elliot as a character was so zero, like so zero for the entire game. And then he kind of just like busts out with this and you're like, what the fuck? And not what the fuck in terms of like, oh, I'm surprised by this new development, but like, what the fuck? It made no sense Yeah. in any way. It didn't make sense as a part of the plot. It didn't make sense for his character. It didn't make sense as like, 
it just didn't really fit to me. So I thought, like, the scene writing was fine, but it just, like, it was odd. So it's interesting, right? Because I think you could, not in a devil's advocate way exactly, but I think, like, you know, you can always take interesting angles on this sort of thing where you could say, did they intend to have an unforeseeable character switch? Like, in other words, mm-hmm. we sa- we said very openly that this is a nothing character, but then they were like, exactly. We wanted to make him a nothing character so you'd ignore him, and then you ignore him, and then he... He breaks. He breaks, right. Follows you. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it, it's, it almost... Yeah. See- oh. Sorry, I I, I was going to say, it almost seemed like the game felt like they needed to have a way to explain away his character for why he's not present in Life is Strange 1, but I honestly don't think it's necessary. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think you can infer with an absence of a character in Life is Strange to be like, oh, well, that character clearly, like, moved away or graduated or something. Like, not this guy decided to commit assault in robbery in someone's home and that's why he's never around in life like i i feel like they kind of went above and beyond with the extremes almost with just being like ah elliot how do we explain away his character he's gonna be evil (laughs) yeah Yeah, and like honestly he was such a nothing character like would you ever even notice that he wasn't there like he was just so bland sorry james i rolled over you but i feel passionately about his blandness no, 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 that's somewhere. totally fine. I feel like like part of <clears throat> the the way that I think his character succeeds is in kind of showing what can actually happen. Like like this is not something that is weird and never happens in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, would say it's realistically weird. Yeah. 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 There's like there's guys that honestly believe that this is acceptable because they're the good guy. Oh yeah. Right. <clears throat> In fact, this is actually a H a I would say like trope that has really evolved, let's say, or like permeated, right? Like these sorts of things um are present here in our culture yeah. and are mm-hmm. pointed at in other ways the other thing i'd like to mention here is that i think it's really important to take this little piece of context also which is that i know we joked about it a lot in the playthrough or whatever and i know we're sitting in here with maybe a different critical eye but but this is also a 16 year old and 16 mm-hmm. year olds are very immature like it, it's um it doesn't mean that they all are, and it doesn't mean that they all do this, and it doesn't mean it's okay to do this. But if you said to me, someone who was trying to be like just the best person ever by being just so kind and and being so um, thoughtful and um, would always listen and would always like give space, finally just was so frustrated with how he's being treated like shit that he didn't know how to handle that that bottling and and uh, the temper essentially that that comes with when reality doesn't go the way that you want it to and you want to just move it physically. Um, like, you're so frustrated. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, I think you tell me that story and you say 16 and I'm like, yeah, I know people like that. I've, I've known people like that for sure. And it's not like mm-hmm. I sit there and go like, nice. I celebrated them when they came and told me that that's some shit that they did. Um, but at the same time, like, that's a pretty human 
experience, I would say, especially 16-year-old boy experience. So it's weird because these characters, they they have weird age concept. It, it's hard to, even though they're like constantly reminding you that they're like 16 or whatever with some of the stuff they do. No, no, is, no. We're constantly saying 16. Yeah, in this they're game, it constantly us. reminding us. Yeah, so it's a bit weird, right? Like, I think, but I'm saying that, like, okay, fine. Like, but we are definitely taking a mature lens to an immature mistake. And I think that is just something to add to the pie. It's not an answer. It's not a uh, explanation. But it's just, it's something to consider, too, because, man, like, I think about this a lot, but, like, oh, my God, you guys. Like, not that me in particular, but I know so many motherfuckers that I am so thankful there was no social media when they were 16. So many people that are wonderful people now that had real growth points. Like, I know people who had to move. I know people that were relocated. Um, and for varying degrees of crazy shit. And I've talked to them since, and they learned and grew. And, like, it was just one of these weird things of, like, fuck. Like, that, it, it just is. This just is life. You know, there, it doesn't have to be anything other. So I just wanted to add that on top of it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Hopefully he learned from that. Hopefully. In jail because uh, we framed him for a lot of awful <laughs> shit. We <laughs> did. We <laughs> did really fuck him over in the end. It's, yeah. 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 Speak about a character who might want to learn from their 16-year-old mistakes. The main character. <laughs> Well, I, I just wanted to touch on, well, I guess, like, on one more thing. But I also think there could have been better, I guess, like, in-game ways to also have Elliot's character do a heel turn the way he did. Because mm-hmm. um, I know the first time I watched it, I you're getting all this uh, info on, like, drug dealers and yeah. snitches. And I, I remember the first time I watched a playthrough of this, I was like, oh, shit. Elliot is Damon Merrick's like informant. Like he's been mm-hmm. working for Damon Merrick and it's going to come to light that like he's been tailing us this whole time because Damon Merrick has asked him to do that and this is where he betrays us and we're going to mm-hmm. have to do but they, right. I don't know. They didn't they decided not to go that route. Um but I thought it would have maybe made a little bit like if they're trying to go for drama uh, like in a team drama sort of way. Like I feel like that could be a better way that they can explain. They can have this obsessive component to Elliot, but also maybe like have, it, it was just a very jarring, yeah. I guess, disconnect between like him pining away for us and getting rejected to him walking into the Amber's house who we don't even know that like, I guess we're just supposed to assume that everyone knows where the Ambers live because the dad's a DA and whatever. But, like, I don't know. I feel like well, making the connection. Yeah, I think he yeah. followed yeah, us he from, followed yeah. from the But agree with is your like points, Which is, like, weird. Though. Right? Like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a totally... And, like, I never thought of that connection to, like, maybe he could have been related to the things that were going on before he just randomly showed up. But, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. It is totally, like, yeah. I mean, I think that James... I also thought that, actually. Yeah. I think that James's point was well-made that, like, in real life, right, you don't always see something like this coming. You can't always tell from their personality that they're going to suddenly have some kind of change on you. But I just thought in the context of this game, it it just didn't come off as being, like, super convincing or believable to me. It kind of felt like Hmm. one more thing they wanted to throw in there. Um, Yeah. 
Because I think also, like, going back to McCoy, to your original point about this, about them sort of, like, tackling um, more taboo topics, mm-hmm. and that that's sort of... I, I think that's part of what this game does and what they're known for, right? Like, the Life is Strange games are known for tackling, um, like, more taboo subjects and, like, trying to show the quote-unquote, like, real teenage experience, yeah. Um, they did that the last one with the pregnancy and abortion thing. They do it. It's in every game. Yeah. And I think this is kind of like, this felt to me like one more thing they wanted to throw in there being like, see, like being a teenager is hard. You never know what's going to happen to you. But it just, to me, it didn't fit um, with what was just going on. I actually think in some ways this is like old school. It's like... If you if you look at the trajectory of like how culture approaches these taboo subjects, it's like, like if I mean like I'm not an expert on like before my time media, but like you know at least like people would say like you know so a lot of these things would be like absent, and then there was kind of like this period here where it was like, ooh, it's like, let's let's start showing these things, and then there's the time after that we live in now, which is like okay, if you're gonna fucking touch this shit, you better do a good job with it, <laughs> right? But like this is that mm-hmm. time before that. I think, or... I don't... How old is this game? It's 2018. Yeah, so I don't think that, that oh, this wow. is before then. And I think there is, right, there's... I, I don't, I'm not saying I want to play it, but there is a more contemporary Life is Strange too, mm-hmm. that I think, like, does... that has the same approach. Yeah, so that's fair. So that is, that is like, way past the time if you're talking about 2017. But I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the core of what Life is Strange actually is is from that, like, that era. Like, like, even if you think of things like Bastion, right? Like, Bastion just lightly touches on some horrifying things. And you're just like, oh. Okay. Like, that's kind of the same approach here. Um, they're just lightly touching on some horrifying things. Um, but that is not the approach of the modern day anymore. That's not something that I think sits well with us these days. Um, mm, I, I disagree. I, I think there are games these days that do touch upon those topics. No, no, no. They touch up, that's not what I'm saying at all. They, they touch upon those topics okay. with care these days. I think that Life is Strange touches upon these topics with care. I don't I don't know that I would classify it as doing it lightly. Now, Life is Strange 1, that whole like pregnancy abortion little bit, I for some reason I don't want to classify it as lightly. I will classify it as being like too brief and a weird side tangent they decided to hit on. But I, I don't know that they're like trivial tri- tri- oh boy. Get together, trivializing, trivializing them yeah. at any point, yeah. and I certainly don't think like the writers were trying to like be like, "We'll just put a little bit of this in." Like I think they're trying to, like with this scene and with that pregnancy one earlier, and with um, even like the brothers in this game in the first episode we played. Like I think they're trying to give you like a full vignette, like a full picture, like start to finish, resolution, consequences, like the whole thing. It's just kind of compacted, but I don't know that they're. I wouldn't think about it as doing it lightly where I feel like um, Bastion is not great because they don't really, but Bastion never really deals with it. I think that Life is Strange, for better or for worse, is like attempting to kind of fully deal with it within their little moment. You think so? I feel like you just said, and I don't, I'm not well, here to I, like. I, I don't think Elena necessarily means fully deal with it in the sense of like full conflict resolution. I think she just means like, they they do try to, I guess, like, confront these issues. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they 
conclude those issues elegantly or not, they're tackling them in the first place. I think confront is a good term. I also think, like, I was trying to use the word attempt because I don't think that they always succeed. Like, I have big problems with the Life is Strange bit where they have that, you go into this girl's room and she's pregnant and it's like, it's very, it's a very short, um, brief moment giving to, like, what is an, I, I think, like, a true... Whatever. Yeah. It, that deserves it, it more time like and more resolution. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a good way of saying it. So, so I, I, I don't need to take this too much further, but I do want to really clarify my point because I think it is being very lost here. Um, and it is not to say that, like, games in the modern day don't deal with these topics. That's very much not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is how, what is acceptable to deal with these topics has changed over time. Mm-hmm. This feels like an old school approach where they check the boxes. They want to try to tackle these topics. Whether they succeed or not, that's for us to decide, I guess, and for more than just us, for everyone to decide. But in the modern day, you have to nail these topics. You have to. You have to do a better job. You can't just try and miss as much. There's more demanded of you when you tackle these things. And when you can sit there and say things like, yeah, they mentioned this topic, but I don't know if they did the greatest job, and it bothers you, that's, that's why. That's all connected. So I'm not saying that they do or don't tackle them. And it's it's just how. It's how. I, I'm not sure I agree. Like, what do you mean they have to? What happens if they don't? I think it was, I think it was, like, I guess what I'm saying is, like, community reaction and our reaction has changed over time based on us all growing and changing with the way the world does. And so I think I, at this point in time in my life, um, when original Life is Strange came out, is what I mean to say. I think I was excited to see with people that would try to deal with these topics. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was like, oh, you're trying to deal with these topics. That's that's cool. We're trying to grapple with these, but we don't know how to do it. And I feel much less like that now, where I think to myself, if you're going to deal with these topics, I hope you do them well. And I think there's a lot of criticism in the modern day about people not handling this stuff well. Are you saying sort of like if a game attempts to tackle a big kind of controversial topic like this and they don't do a great job like they're kind of vilified in yes. the general like media and gaming scene yes i am saying that mm-hmm. and i i think that mm-hmm. vilification has become stronger and that isn't necessarily to say a good or a bad thing that's up for you guys to decide for yourselves i just mean that it is like that's just what i see what what i see is people are less and less okay with people just checking a box like you mentioned pregnancy like you know unwanted pregnancy like nice you did it now like whereas i think you know back in the day it was more like okay so they're not going to shy away from that they're trying to deal with this okay they didn't do great but they're trying and i think trying is less and less acceptable and in fact i think we've had that conversation even on this this podcast before with with um with certain games and um other like ex-hosts and stuff and i brought this point up and i think it was made well which is just like they really wanted to see better dealing with this stuff um and I think that's become only more and more true as time has gone on, is that people expect that sort of thing. So that's why when playing a game like Life is Strange that has an essence that feels so old school uh, is strange. It's strange because they they don't always succeed. I mean, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable statement. They don't always succeed. I think that's what we were just talking about. I think we'll continue to talk about it. Um, and this scene is a strange one, like out of nowhere. Um, and it doesn't seem like anyone wants to give it the credit of it was supposed to be out of nowhere. Well, I I actually well I mean agree that it's out of nowhere. And I think <clears throat> James, you were saying. Yeah, I was saying that I think that I think that honestly that scene 
does succeed mm-hmm. uh, at what they're trying to do. I think the scene and, itself is well written. Actually, <clears throat> I was sort of impressed yeah. with the writing of that that like the of the vignette. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually have no complaints about that scene. Um, right. I think that. Um, Well, I I do have some complaints about other things in that scene, like why the fuck Chloe is doing any of the things that she's doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. call the police. Yeah. But I think that after Elliot arrives, Chloe acts in a reasonable way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I... I think that it actually is a very successful... Um, like depiction of like somebody in a bad situation and getting out of it mm-hmm. successfully, <clears throat> which does shine the way a that light. the way that she decides to pin the whole fucking thing on him is problematic. But um, yeah, it's kind of like I mean, the. The, the whole ends. like calling the cops, yeah, and then using the conversation in order to let the cops know where they are and what's going on, uh, I think was was well done, and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I'm in agreement with James. I I it's not the conversation itself. I think it was just the it, it's all about the story pacing, and I think that's just my general complaint about this game in oh, general yeah. is that there are. The story pacing and character progressions of a lot of these people just seem to, like, seem to come out of left field. But it's not the actual content in the conversation itself that at least I ha- necessarily have a problem with. I'm, I'm in agreement with James, and it sounds like most people here, where I do think the conversation is realistic enough of this is kind of what it's like for, you know, someone who's being confronted by somebody with this much anger and rage, like this is how they can try and get out of a situation while also not trying to, I guess, set the person off. Like, I do think that was, that was done well. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you say that it was done well in a way that makes a mockery of the rest of the game? Cause like, no, cause this is what James, like I thought his fucking brilliant joke that he made on the playthrough, but he was saying, Wait, wait, wait. You call the place here, but then you instantly roll to a fucking drug dealer's hideout mm-hmm. alone with no weapon. <laughs> and you don't call the police there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, does this scene not just then kind of just like do that to the rest of the game? I mean. It isn't. Yeah. It kind of does. Yeah. It's I an mean, interesting I, contrast. Sorry. Go ahead, Raphael. I actually wanted to say like I think Elliot's character does make sense. And I think that they like – in what they were going for, they absolutely succeeded. Like, we were played. Like, mm-hmm. we were all like, Elliot, what a joke character. Basically, non-character. He's a foil to the other characters. And then he comes out with this. And mm-hmm. in retrospect, it makes sense, like, why he would behave this way. Like, yes, it's terrible behavior. But, like, it, I think his character makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's reasonable in the context of what the game is trying to portray. And I think it was actually one of the better written character developments in the game. It's just so Mm -hmm. weird because I feel like at this point in the game, I 
I don't know if the game had earned enough cred for it to land as well as it maybe could have. Because so many other things were like, surprise, we got a story change for you. But this one was a surprise, but I actually, like, there was development. Maybe in a real way is what, what yeah. it sounds like you guys are saying. But it was just, I feel like, unfortunately, like. I mean, I think it would have hit harder if we actually liked Chloe. unlucky really yeah or rachel well and also a lot of elliot's character development was stuff that we discovered like we would never have gotten the creepy vibes from elliot had we not gone through his dorm room and looked at his poetry and realized that he does have kind of this pent-up boiling like that's true obsession sort of like yeah obsession but also you can tell it's this kind of bubbling up of loathing for Chloe as well because of how Chloe keeps on shooting him down. But like, that's not always going to be apparent to a player. So it's like, I, I, I remember like the first playthrough I watched, they never went through his dorm room. So for them, the character of Elliot suddenly turning into this like <laughs> guy who breasts in, they're like, where the fuck did this come from? Cause they, you know, accepted Elliot's invitation to go see the Tempest and they accepted Elliot's hug after you get expelled. And those were like the only two interactable conversations you ever have with him in the game. Mm-hmm. So to have them do those two things with Elliot and Elliot having pretty good of like a reaction back to them to suddenly him storming in to, you know, the, the house and, uh, I mean, I guess there's the hospital scene as well, uh, but like, I believe they like kindly, kindly kind of talked to him there as well. But like, to them, it definitely seemed like it was just this crazy heel turn. Mm-hmm. And for us, I guess it made more sense because we were doing our due diligence with game exploration. I suppose you might have said this mm-hmm. as a detail in there, but I don't, I don't know if I was able to parse it out. But do you know offhand? It's okay if you don't. If you go to the Fuck the with play. Him. if that changes anything here or is, is that even possible like i i do wonder if like you can say yes but then you miss it for other circumstances so they can put you on this path or does anyone know like uh don't quote me on this but i i think like they just try to explain it away in his like angry monologue by being like and sure you accepted my <laughs> hug and you extended my you accepted my invite but that's not enough or something like yeah, it's yeah. it's a moot point pretty okay. much okay. where like insert decision here he's upset <laughs> which i feel like is okay in the terms of this character like i feel like Raphael kind of helped me i didn't i don't want i didn't remember his like poetry i feel like that was like a little red flag that i didn't pick up on but um i feel like even in terms of like this character if you try and think about what they were going for like it's possible for him to be like you know that's not like even though you like maybe you, you can't appease him i guess is what i'm saying and that doesn't seem unreasonable to me in this character development um yeah i mean i think it's even if you don't go through his poetry i think it's still like that's that that feels authentic to me Mm -hmm. like you don't go through people's poetry normally and they do (laughs) things that you don't expect you're saying that part of the game is not realistic no uh, uh, yeah i'm saying that like it doesn't matter whether the poetry is foreshadowing or not like that the poetry was there if you choose to look for it like it shows that they thought about like providing you ways you could see this coming Mm -hmm. um but i i think that it's still like his character still makes sense without that the foreshadowing is just you being a piece of shit to this guy well and actually speaking of foreshadowing Mm -hmm. so i think like you talked about how 
her Chloe calling the police in this situation makes a mockery of all the situations where she doesn't call the police and it would be so reasonable for her to do so. Mm-hmm. But I think like on the same token, they were so heavy handed with the fire foreshadowing mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. the the lack of foreshadowing here is is a, a bit jarring and I I, yeah. I wish they were just a bit more consistent about yeah, I mean, I guess, like, are, are you going to foreshadow everything, or are you going to try to be twisty? I think yeah, that's kind of Zoe's point, right, about the pacing, mm-hmm. where it's just like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Is, is that similar, right? I feel like yeah. I... Yeah. Sorry, I want to stick something in here, too, because I feel like Zoe's point of the pacing, it reminds me, like, what my real issue with this scene is, because, again, I agree with everyone. Like, I think the writing of it's really good. I was very impressed with them. I think that phone call to the police is, like, really well done. It works with the gameplay, but... It's like the bookends to the scene are kind of just bizarre to me. Because you start off, right? You're doing this insane thing. You're going through the DA's office. You're burning evidence. You're texting a drug dealer on a burner phone. And then, like, boom, Elliot's there. The DA has evidence in his office. Yeah, there's just a lot happening there. Mm, Yeah. And then, like, then it the the end of the scene is like you being like okay i got like okay you're like you called the police it's like very tense you're trying to like not alert him to what's happening but give the police the information they're going to show up you're trying to call him and calm him down and then the police like pull up outside and you're just like see a sucker and you grab i don't know a huge wad of cash off the desk and just run away <laughs> like totally fine and so to me like those two bookends like the pacing of that is just so offensive to me it just, it doesn't, yeah. it makes that whole scene not really work because then her running away with all that cash just kind of like really triviali- trivialize, boy, I cannot say that word and I should stop trying. You said it the second time. <laughs> Trivializes it. Um, and so I don't know if that's your point yeah. about the pacing, but like that's what you made me think of. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this sort of thing, I think encapsulates my biggest critique about this game and that it wasn't apparent to me at the time of playing but the more thought that I give it the more I'm like you know what the decision to have a choice and consequence game that is a prequel is the biggest oxymoron yeah, ever yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I feel like rough. this deserves discussion and yeah. Because, uh, and and maybe let's extend it out, I guess, to more parts of the game. Because we, we often joke during the playthrough about how, ah, your choices matter. We did it with, like, the hot dog man clothing. And, oh, man, they don't have it in the cutscene. Our choices matter. And in Life is Strange 1, I know we, we often would sit there at the decision points of the game and really kind of mull over how this would actually affect things and after watching this game and seeing different decisions being played out um yeah every single decision we made in this game has pretty much a similar outcome no yeah. matter what like especially with the like end, the right? only like that 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 mm-hmm. end decision feels so weighty and yet i think it's 15 seconds in a one minute montage right it's like literally just they add like a two second additional cutscene to the overall cutscene. Like the drug dealer with Drew and Mikey, like it either ends up with Drew in the hospital or Mikey in the hospital. Either way, that family, the Norths, right. are going to be in the hospital for you to interact with when you go visit Rachel. Right. It just depends who's in the bed. So, like, in the end, that's pretty much 
you know, a, a decision that doesn't even have any greater consequence. Like, I was actually excited to be like, ooh, because we never gave the money to Frank, how is Frank going to treat us now? Nothing really happened. Frank still helped us out, yeah. <laughs> even though we didn't get him the money. Like, he was just like, oh, I'm cool with it. I'm like, okay, well, that didn't really do much. Um, yeah. And, and uh, the, but it also is, I, I think we, as a group, tried so hard to win the rap battles <laughs> so much. And, like, sure, like, the successes were great, but also I just kind of realized that the failures also have the exact same thing happen yeah. after. Um, you know, with the, the conversation with Elliot, we were all agonizing because Elliot only needs one victory to win his rap battle. We had to do four in a row or something like that. And so we were being like, oh my God, agonizing over it. What do we choose? What do we choose? But really, if you lose the rap battle against Elliot, <laughs> Chloe fucking throws a rock at the window triggers the alarm and she's like better get a run on scumbag and books oh it anyway God. like mm. that's all that happens mm. like not yeah. so yeah. it just kind of made me realize just how substanceless this game seems at times when it gives off the illusion that all of your choices do matter. Yeah. And they have yes. the audacity to throw that fucking screen up at the beginning, right? That says, like, your choices matter and shit or whatever. And just, like, just knowing what we know about this this franchise before mm -hmm. we even recognize that this one might be just a cut above when it comes to substanceless choices. Um, like, right? I feel like this is, like, the gold standard of substanceless choices. Uh, even compared to Life is Strange 1 that I feel like had... No, because remember, we bitched about that at the end, too, that Life is Strange 1, you make all these choices, and at the very end, it just it just, it just boils down to one choice. Does Joey, Zoe, does Zoe, Chloe? that's not her name, does, does Chloe <laughs> live or die? Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the whole game. And also, does Zoe live or die? Yeah, and exactly. also, yeah, how does Zoe feel? <laughs> does like, Zoe go to bed after a long night yeah. of playthrough, or <laughs> does we she? We have to watch the longer cutscene. But... <laughs> like even Life is Strange One boiled down really to one choice by the end, and nothing else mattered that you had done. Um, Maybe, like I think there I, were things. I think there were smaller loops within the story that um, had at least some degree of impact. Uh, whether or not they really mattered for the end, and whether or not any of these things really matter for the end, anyways, ever so far play a lot of choice games so far there's not a lot that end any different but like this one even the choices in the middle didn't feel like they mattered you know what i'm saying like they they really didn't even feel like they could do you the justice of like taking two steps down a path before you accidentally find yourself in the same place you were before you know what i'm saying it's like you don't even take the two steps it's just sort of like all right moving past this I yeah mm. disagree with this on one point only, which is that I actually thought. Dude, you hate my points today. Fair play. No, no, <laughs> no. Fair play. I no. I just okay. In this one instance, I think that the Drew, that's his name, right? Maybe. Yeah, I'm having a hard time tonight. The Drew scene, mm -hmm. um, where you make that choice about what do you stay in the room with Mikey or do you go? We sat there and really thought about that choice, all of us together when we were doing the playthrough. And we really agonized about it and we're like, what are we supposed to do? And that that one to me was a well-written, it felt impactful, that choice. And I understand that like in the end, 
we know now that it's either Mikey or Drew. Like, you can't save everybody in that. There was no, and we knew there was no, like, right choice. There was no 100% success rate choice. Um, But that one, in terms of, like, the story and the, that one felt impactful to me. Like, knowing that if you don't open the door, like, Drew's football career is over. If you do open the door, like, who knows what happens. Um, That one felt okay to me. The rest of it, I agree. Not great. I, I think well, there, there's I think the one that really I, I don't understand why the game included it. Um, the one that gets me is you choosing to forgive David Madsen or not. Um, like you, mm-hmm. you're with Chloe. Chloe's with Joyce and David in the house. And David gives this photograph of him as a soldier and tells this whole sob story. And like you have this really big what appears to be this like game altering decision that does the wah, 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 wah screen like while it says like forgive him reject him mm-hmm. and of course us in that moment we're just like well yes like we'll forgive but i think back on that and i'm just like why did they make this a choice because we know at the beginning of life is strange one david and chloe's relationship is so abysmal yeah they did this that, one like, in life is strange one like you have the same arc there which feels so odd right exactly yeah you have like the exact same character arc chloe will still call david a step douche he'll still call chloe a soldier and like not respect her and be searching her bedroom mm-hmm. and so like that kind of decision in this game just felt like such a slap in the face of like <laughs> you want to feed you like it's kind of like a quick hit like, you know, here's a quick hit feel-good moment you can have with Chloe and David, but also at the start of Life is Strange 1, fuck you for trying, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. I guess. It's just, um, it really is, this game is not a broker in outcome changes. It's a broker in ethical decision points that you get to, like, mull over and, like, feel like you maybe made the right choice. Like, it feels like it really sells you on, hey, do you want to come over here and, like, see some weird shit and like try to decide between left and right and it's not if you're really honestly paying attention to it trying to sell you at all that the choice will matter at all because it essentially never does but it's about do you enjoy making the choices do you enjoy Mm -hmm. the decision making process the problem solving process and i think that is all well and good i do enjoy that sort of thing however it it, yeah it, it does feel cheap at times in the first game and cheap extra in this one, when you literally, like Zoe's saying, go through the same arc again, is, uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. Like, like the main criticism of these types of games is always like, man, my choices didn't fucking matter. And it's every criticism of all these choice games. games. And it's fair, because it does feel kind of shitty when your choices don't matter. Um, but I think this game just maybe takes the cake on it, man. Like, it might just be, like, so much so that, because I think in plenty of games I can ignore it. Like, in, in plenty of games I can, I can accept that they kind of need me to come back to the main storyline at some point, right? Things need to kind of go one way. Um, I can kind of accept that. Or like, you know, they kind of might split at the end. Like the last thing might split into three different... uh, (laughs) I'm thinking of Mass Effect. But like... (laughs) Three differently colored scenes, yeah. Uh, Spoilers for Mass Effect. So, um... (laughs) Whoopsie daisy. Uh, But yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. This... So... Go ahead. I have a very different take on this, which is that... I feel like framing it in terms of do my choices matter is just not the right way to look at it because they will never matter. Like it just doesn't make sense for a game developer to make a game where your choices actually matter. Because like 
looking at it from their perspective, it's like, okay, they're going to put resources into developing this game, like have like emotionally charged scenes. And if your choices matter, then you're going to see like way less than half of what they actually put effort into making. And so like, okay, if your choices matter, then really the game is built around you playing it multiple times for it to be reasonable for them to invest in. And most people just don't do that. Uh, Shout out to Zoe. So, I mean, I think, like, I I don't know if any of you have played the Stanley Parable, but it's essentially Mm -hmm. a critique of this concept. Mm. Um, And it's all about showing you how any choice that you make is, like, strictly within what is prescribed by, like, the developer's vision of the game. Like, they're literally lining out paths for you, and maybe you can choose some branching paths, but there's no reason for those paths to matter. Uh, so really what the discussion should be is, did I like feel like my choices were meaningful to me? Like, did it make sense within the context of the game to make this choice? Did it make sense within the story? Did I feel like the story played out correctly based on that choice? And I think what what, what we're sort of getting at is that there were a lot of cases where because they couldn't make your choices matter, it actually harmed their writing yeah. um, mm-hmm. because like yeah. with the Elliot escape scene, like either way, you're going to say like, see ya sucker yeah. and run away. Yeah. Like, and it made a lot less sense in the police scene than it did in the one where you failed to call the police, I guess. Mm-hmm. Although still pretty bad in both cases. <laughs> yeah, still yeah. doesn't really <laughs> land. No, see like, Raphael, I like in many ways agree with you, but I, I also see that, I feel like whether we like it or not, I feel like a lot of people come to choice games thinking the first thing, right? Thinking like, I want my choices to matter. And I feel like it might just be a cursed genre for that Mm -hmm. because it is literally just overtaken by this idea of my choices did not matter. And so, but that's, I mean, that's, that's a marketing problem. I was, James, I was about to say the exact same thing. Maybe. Because all these games are marketed saying your choices matter. Yeah. 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 And it's obviously bullshit. And so I mean like like if you think about it for like ten seconds, you'd realize that what Raphael said is like it has to be true. So like if we take some contrast, like Pyre, for example, like yes, the game still plays out more or less the same way depend like regardless of your choices. But like the choices you make like have an emotional impact and they, they're well written mm-hmm. and like we all we all liked that i guess right yeah and mm-hmm. at the end it felt yeah. like it had a good payoff where spoilers it goes through like all of the characters and whether they were liberated and what they did like ultimately in the context of the game like that didn't really matter like okay it's just like a bunch of interchangeable text blurbs at the end of the game oh. but the writing was so good that it felt good so then like it felt right are you suggesting on top of this that Life is Strange got fucked by Pyre just by nearness. You know what I mean? Maybe a no. bit, right? No. I think I think I think Life is Strange got fucked by bad writing. <laughs> hot takes. Yeah. Okay, hot takes. Um, which was certainly true in the first game, and is also true in this game. I think that I think that the things that this game did right had nothing to do with the choices that you made. And every single one of the scenes 
with an emotional like impact that had nothing to do with the choices that you made was so powerful. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the game didn't matter. <laughs> like emotionally or anything. Like I feel like um I mean that this is just partly my opinion about decision-based games, which is that um Pyre is the first one that I've seen done well. Um <laughs> Um, you know, I was thinking a lot about Firewatch. Do we consider Firewatch a decision-based game? No. Not really. No, there's no decisions that you make that matter in that game. It's not like, okay, fair play. I was just thinking because in my yeah, head. I, I think Firewatch doesn't give off the illusion that your choices, I guess, have. Like, I, I, I think playing Firewatch, I never had the notion that whatever I was saying to Delilah was being meticulously recorded by the game and it would come back to bite me, I guess. It like didn't didn't seem like it was a consequence-based game. It never gave off that impression. Yeah. Um, but I think it's because with this game, it says, like like you said, McCoy, at the very forefront of the game in black, you know, black screen with white text, <laughs> this game is based off of your decisions. Everything you do will <laughs> like affect the outcome. And you have to just kind of chuckle at that because you're like, no, it's not. It's a prequel. <laughs> like, nothing's going to affect this outcome. Dude, but... the prequel aspect. I know you yeah. mentioned it, but it is so brutal. I think it deserves some attention because, Zoe, I think, I mean, it's just a bad idea. Like, if you uh... were to sit down and really think about it before you wrote the game, you would know, like, a decision-based game that is a prequel to a game that's already come out is a bad premise because unless unless that i mean i think it's i think it's a very difficult premise okay i think there's ways that you could do it successfully but yeah no you're okay maybe you're right that's true let's not someone out there could do it it could be done successfully but it is putting yourself in a very difficult place and I think that it really reveals clearly to the player what Raphael would, like, would just said, sort of like that, of course, the, it, it just really brings to the forefront that, of course, your choices don't matter. And it forces you to think, OK, well, then, well, it doesn't force you to think, but it, it I think it just really forces you, a player to confront that and really yeah. see it in a way that you don't see in other choice games, even though that's also true. And I really like Raphael's categorization of like, well, really, like it's about if the choice is kind of emotionally or ethically impactful to you as the player in the moment, right? That's what a choice game really is or what they can really do. But this promise that like your choices matter and you can change the outcome of your game is so prevalent. And I think everyone thinks it, that when it's a game that's a prequel, it just really puts that in your face in a way that I don't think helped this game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it actually like it. I mean, kind I of... think. Sorry, you go. Oh, I was I was gonna say like it. It kind of harkens back to a conversation we've had in past podcasts. Um, we we often talk about um like the medium in which a game is presented to us, and would this game be better off being a movie? And I think about this, and I'm like, I think I would have liked to see Life is Strange Before the Storm as a short film. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. If they if they really truly wanted to tell the story of Chloe prior to Max returning to Car- Arcadia Bay, which I think, you know, I I believe it could be a very good story. And the writing in the non decision based parts of this game, I think, really were strong. Uh, there is a story to be told, and I think just the gameplay got so in the way. Uh, with that story, which is why it's kind of being criticized as much as it is. What about and, if it were a visual novel? Yeah, that too. I like. You know? I think in any sort of medium that where you just consume it, yeah, like either like a, a, a visual novel, uh, a short movie, you know, a t- TV series. I don't know if it needs to go that far, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think the actual gamification of of this prequel is what got in the way yeah i will add on top of that though the unfortunate reality which is just that okay goodbye craig um (laughs) don't mention it soldier on okay um (laughs) the unfortunate reality is that if i'm being real and maybe this is not true for everyone here right but i if this was a short film i would not watch it this was a tv show i would not consume it like they're in the business of making games and so they're hampered by unfortunately the fact that the game made it to some degrees worse and think about a scene i'll tell you a scene right now where the game was literally just horrible fixing the car that's just like that there's no place in the story i for had that. fun <laughs> it was so fun to hear that <laughs> it was it was enjoyable to watch and to experience brandon's pain yeah yeah that's what made it fun. Um, it wasn't fun because of the game. Yeah. You're all some sadistic motherfuckers. I was sad for him to experience no, no, no. such a <laughs> thing. I think Fred he probably had a thing. great time too. Were you? <laughs> Fair play. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's just, it's just like, you know what I'm saying though? Like, okay, like if I said to you guys, I have this fucking, it's a bitching game. It's so sick. It's so good. You fix a car. Uh, everyone's like, I'm not paying five bucks for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're just gone. People are just out the door. But then I'm like, okay, I have a story-based game. You're like, okay, yeah, it's got some decisions, okay. And then in the middle, there's a car-fixing puzzle. You're like, well, that doesn't seem like it fits. And it doesn't fit. I can just tell you right now. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. And that's fine. It is what it is. But it's like, th- at that was the moment, at least for me, that, that comes back to this point that you guys were talking about, where it's just like, this is the game part of it, and it is disappointingly bad. I think what I I okay McCoy I hear you don't watch TV or TV or um, movies okay but I feel like the, I'm gonna go I'm gonna get on my soapbox and talk about Edith Finch again basically all I want to do is talk about that game mm-hmm. spoilers for Edith Finch go play it it's so good it's like four hours long what are you doing with your life dude it's so sad this podcast will probably be four hours long people are sitting here and they're just like, <laughs> yeah I know no but they're they're sitting here and they're just sort of like fucking like sorry that was actually a low-key hilarious wreck of our podcast yeah, i like. nailed it and you just rolled my pen. It's fine. no it's just it's just funny because oh fuck all right well never mind but then. What, all i want to say is that i think the edith finch is a game that does the like short story graphic novel like it does it does a story really really fucking well and there is no player yeah. choice in it and i think i we probably talked about this with the last life is strange but that i i think that might be what life is strange is going for it's not, but they want the gameplay in there. They want you to, to have those emotional decision moments. I totally hear that. But mm-hmm. 
I think what we're talking about is essentially Edith Finch. Like, we're looking for more of a straight story game where they kind of take that player choice part out of it, and instead they just tell you this story in a way that would maybe hang together a little bit better, and they could could really hone in on the writing in that way, instead of having to write these sort of, like, slightly divergent paths that aren't really that divergent and don't really feel that different. Yeah. Um, that's something that, like... Edith Finch is just such a shining example of a, of a game that tells a story just phenomenally well, but without the choice in there. And I think that's what Life is Strange could be if they chose to go that route. But Edith Finch, for example, so this still leads a game, really right? well into a point that I wanted to make earlier in conjunction with Elena's. I think that a prequel is a terrible place for a Your Decisions Matter game. I think that video games are a terrible place for your decision matter games in general. Like, I just, I think that the whole genre is fundamentally flawed um, by the fact that you can't spend infinity time and resources on development of a game. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And I think basically... If you have good writers, you should let them write a story that's good. And if you don't have good writers, then um, don't make a story game. Make yeah, Diablo, um, boys. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Make, Shout out make, to Diablo. <laughs> like, lean into your strengths, right? Stay a while. And, and if yeah, you have yeah. good writers, make a story game. But let your writers control the story. Don't let whoever's playing the game. Because they're not, they're not a good writer. You know, I mean, they might be a good writer. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, McCoy, mm -hmm. great at camera angles, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you can let him control the camera. But, like, not everybody is good at that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Basically, <laughs> I just, I just don't, I don't think, I think that the council as desperately flawed as that game is mm -hmm. is one of the best examples of a your choices matter game purely because of the first um chapter is it called episode maybe yeah something. Episode, episode yeah yeah i agree but that's because none of your choices matter yet right because they all all the payoffs are in later chapters. And so like those choices didn't matter, <laughs> but the storytelling is yet. good. I don't and know. The your exploration decision to sleep with good. your sister feels like it matters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you don't know that she's your sister yet. I I know, mean, but... Oh, no spoilers on every Sorry. game we've ever played. Um. Shout out to the council. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't let the council just go past. I had to say something. No, I mean, listen, I, I think it's, you're, a really you're sad also place. abandoning, a, a young woman who your mom has literally tortured for years in order to sleep with this woman who turns There's out to be your sister. There's a lot happening. Let's, yeah. that is a decision that you make in the first chapter. You can go with the woman that yeah. your mom has been torturing. Yeah, and, I, um, I actually specifically did that in my first playthrough and was expecting to do that with the group playthrough, but people did not feel the need to do that. <laughs> they felt no... Desire right. uh, for, right. to help that character in any meaningful way, and I think we were too enthralled by the boobies. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, 
but back to James's point, like <laughs> yes, I, please help I really completely point. agree with him. Uh, I think like this is kind of what I was getting at. Like it, it's it's in line with what I was getting at with like they can't make the choices matter, and it's it it's it's like a tough reality to accept. I think mm-hmm. because like that idea of that game where your choices really matter and it's got like all these different stories depending on your choices, like that's tantalizing. Oh yeah. You want your choices to matter. Like but at the same time it's never it's it's not practical for anybody to make that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's not practical in technology. That's the way I would say it is because the yeah. game where that can be done the best D&D. If you have an incredibly talented DM, and that does not mean we all do, and we do not all. Well, I don't even think you need an incredibly talented DM. I think you just need a DM. Yeah, because I feel like the human, I mean, it's like one of those few few places where like the human mind just really outshines programming, because you can just say like, well, I jump off this bridge, and you're like, well... You're gonna have a bad time. Like mm-hmm. that, I, I think it's just a lot invisible easier. wall. Sure. <laughs> you can't jump yeah. off the bridge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think that you can make a game where the player makes important moral choices that impact the story. I think that that is possible without making a game where the core premise is that your decisions matter. Um, you want to know my hot take? Okay. Yeah. Hit us. Know what game? Well, in this and actually, this kind of follows through. Know what game did not promise that your decisions truly like are so game breakingly matter, but whose endings I actually thought were really well designed and really really well written and really actually made me go back and play multiple endings. Cyberpunk. Hey. Yeah. But I think it's because literally the decision point that changes the course of the game is done at the very end. And none of what you did prior, I mean, I think there's maybe a couple, like, yeah. th- there's a couple decision points I think that you can make in the main storyline prior, but the all ending conclusion is really based on how you want to take on Arasaka Tower at the end for a majority of that story's mm-hmm. climax. See, like, yeah. I see your point here, and I agree in some ways, but I also think, unfortunately, you are pointing at why Cyberpunk failed, is because they tried to go for this tantalizing game that where you really do have multiple different games within it based on your choices. And as a result, they had far too much ground to cover, and they failed. This is why I said it's my hot take. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what I'm saying is like you are, I'm, I'm saying you're pointing at something real and I'm saying both sides of that are true at the same time. And I think that's kind of why it all coalesces what we're all saying together. I'm not sure I agree. Like I, I think like cyberpunk, the um, CD project red made a reasonable, like uh take at developing that from the story perspective, like, the the flaws with the cyberpunk were not really with the story. <laughs> like it was more mm-hmm. with how poorly fleshed out the open world was and how many bugs there were with the game. Like that and how many promises were made in regards to the open world aspects. Yeah. I mean I think um, yeah. When you look at like P 
people who enjoyed cyberpunk and people who didn't and what they're saying about the game it seemed like the overwhelming thing was that the people who were enjoying it were really focusing on the story because they were going into it with uh expectations coming from like the witcher or something where the story is like the biggest part of the game right and cyberpunk did the story well and it didn't try too hard to make the decisions matter like it it made the it made a reasonable in investment i would say in that like they had the branching endings but like they didn't have to do 50 bajillion permutations of all your decisions resulting in all these different outcomes because that's just not feasible and it didn't like it didn't promise I and mean, i don't remember it promising like all your decisions matter it doesn't promise it in words but it promised it in in like the gameplay trailers that they did out before where you're meeting Dexter Deshaun and you're deciding how you want to roll with this fixer, like how that's going to go down. And like, like, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think there's, I think there was a lot of promise that the, so story... I think that, I think that the role playing game genre of video game, like has some aspect of a, your decisions matter in it. Yeah, James, I'm and, glad you were bringing that up because I was thinking about RPGs, I feel like, are actually a place where you, like, you see this done, sort of. It's a, it's an interesting version of your choices matter, RPGs. Right, but there's so much more to an RPG than just choices, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a whole lot in a Life is Strange game beyond listening to dialogue and making choices and, like, walking around and doing slightly annoying tasks. Um... <laughs> damn that is such a distillation holy shit like (laughs) fair okay like like there's a lot of cool imagery and that's not to be denied like there's a lot of cool things to look at there's there's a lot of not cool things to look at there's a lot of awkwardly exploring people's rooms and like private lives um but then like most of the game and gameplay is walking around doing tasks that are slightly annoying and making choices. Um, And in an RPG, there's a whole lot more systems and there's usually combat. Um, And so the choices part of the game is like much, a much smaller percentage of it. And therefore, I think the player's kind of experience of that is, um, like, the expectations are lowered. I mean, their their attention is elsewhere, more or less. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Although, yeah. even there, yeah. James, I, I agree with everything. You, I was also thinking about RPGs, and I agree with everything you just said. But I also think that RPGs still suffer with that choice aspect of the game. We talked about it with Cyberpunk, and it's the same with something like Skyrim, that you make all these choices about, like, who your character is, right? Your backgrounds, what you can do, and yet the interactions that you have in the world don't reflect any of that. So I think, like, Cyberpunk this is the first example I can think of where if you, at the beginning, you choose your, whatever they called them, your path. If you're a nomad or a, I don't remember the names of the other ones. Street Kid, maybe? And Street Kid. Nomad like, was the correct one, so. Yeah, Nomad, yeah. The other but so basically... Nomad. 
there they did put things into the world where you'd have like kind of like a, a like token-esque encounter where like oh shit you're a nomad and you would have a connection there but for the most part you that it didn't affect your life and we kind of were disparaging not disparaging it's a strong word but you know we didn't love that because it felt like um that was supposed to change the way you could interact with the world which is a very tall order and i think thinking about it is probably unrealistic but it's something that as a human playing that game knowing that you made those choices you kind of want that to happen um it's the same thing in skyrim when like you know like the super common one is like okay you've joined the thieves guild and you can just go in and rob people blind and no one really knows or cares um and so you know rpgs have their own problems with this and i think you know, I think we're all just pointing out, and I think we've, like, needed to have this conversation for a while, that, like, choice games are hard and are problematic and frequently fall short of what a human being playing a choice game would would want. And I think it show it really shows in a, in a game that um, puts those else. choices at the forefront, like Life is Strange does. That's kind of, like, that's its full sell. I will say, though, I but do like, want to... Oh, I wanted to bring up that um, Detroit Become Human, yeah. while is pretty much entirely like just making choices, I think they made some innovations in that genre that are actually like very redeeming. Um, like actually showing you where you are on the tree mm -hmm. of possible options and story things means that what Raphael was saying about like you only see X percent of the content and then you you play it again, like that's so much more likely because you see what you're missing. Um and so I think that that's one of the ways that you can kind of do it, do do this successfully. But that's like a huge undertaking. That game was definitely a huge undertaking. Mm -hmm. And it was problematic in its own ways <laughs> to yeah. jump on that word that I brought and I up. I think it's worth like, uh, I think we can all acknowledge like choice games are really difficult in so many ways, like the writing of there's just a lot that has to go into them to make a good one. But it, I don't think that it means gaming studios like, should stop making them. Like one, people clearly like them. I like them. I think we enjoy playing them. But I think too, like there are there are avenues to doing them well in a way that kind of like somehow gets around this problem of like, well, your game has to have an ending and you only have so many man hours to do this. Like, I think Pyre is a really good example of a game that manages to do it. I think, you know, Detroit Become Human has some aspects. Like, there are good versions out there, um, despite the problems. It's just, I think it's a really hard genre to write for and to make. You know what nobody ever talks about? Nobody ever fucking talks about those choose-your-own-adventure books anymore. I've been thinking about them. You want to know why? Because they probably weren't that it's good. It's probably really hard to do yeah. that shit, too. Um, and I feel like they were probably equally, like, not really. Well, some of them you could die. 
Who knows? It's well, yeah. been forever. No, it's if you've true. read I was one of those recently, write in a tyranny of thumbs. I've never a single one of those. I was also thinking of failure states and how they don't have failure states in this game, right? Like you can't fail in this game. Mm-hmm. You can't fail in most of these choice games. And as a result, they kind of have to write everything all the time. They have to write the failure option and the success option. Like if you just said, all right, I run at the drug dealer and like the drug dealer kills you, try again. Like that would be a different way mm-hmm. to approach this story. Um, but they don't do that. Um, I I will just say like, you know, like, I do think it's it's tantalizing though. Mm-hmm. Like it is it is the golden goose perhaps of this is people chasing after this because every every fucking game like has to be so careful like so many try to make this sell like for instance one that's happening right now is Dying Light Two I don't know if you guys have seen any trailers for that but they're talking about you know you side with this uh, faction and then they're gonna take over this other faction and you're gonna spread like their you know territory across the map and it's like gonna like I wonder create I've heard that before yeah cyberpunk no you exactly <laughs> exactly no that's the thing is that they all say this and they all want it but can they succeed i don't know and in fact i was just watching a video the other day and by the other day i mean it could have been anywhere between one to five years ago um where uh <laughs> where uh they're talking about this mmo i think it's ashes of singularity but don't quote me on that it's one of those mmos if you're into mmos fair play uh but they were trying to do a sort of similar this sort of your choices matter premise in an MMO context where um, like factions and things could fight and win in the server and then they would take over and they would start spreading their, their ground and they have PvP events that like sort of like dictated. But the moral of the story is that different servers could have different outcomes and different amounts of, you know, are the elves winning? People are going to be so triggered by that. I don't think there's elves in that game. There might be. Listen, there's magic, I think. I saw a trailer. It's not important. Mm-hmm. Um like, but it's just, yeah, I mean, so people are just continually coming out with, and you guys, have you guys ever heard of uh, Peter Molyneux? Does anybody here know about Peter yep. Molyneux? Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. So he is famous for being like essentially a storyteller, marketing salesman person, uh, game director for uh, Fable back in the day and other games as well. But I think he's at least in my mind, most famous for Fable, which was a Microsoft title where your choices matter. And he was famous for, I mean, this is back in the Xbox era and the Xbox 360 era. Um, Lenny, could you could you not do that? <laughs> I know you're making <laughs> such a good point. Okay, continue. Elena is is just slowly moving things that are underneath my feet, and so I have to think about where <laughs> my feet should be, but it's fine. Um, okay, so Peter Molyneux, though, Fable. This is the Xbox One, not mm-hmm. Xbox One, but Xbox One original god what a fucking naming nightmare um but the original xbox and xbox 360 era and it's um it's famous for choices matter it's an rpg it's like a magical fantasy rpg and he would give these e3 talks you know behind closed doors that people would talk about and apparently he was just like one of those people that could tell a story that could just have like an entire room just like at you know at his whim with the amazingness that he would tell of what this game could be and he sunk every game he'd ever told this story about because they could never live up to how amazing a story he could ever spin. And he would say things like, and this is so funny because I've played some of these Fable games, and he would say, listen, 
this game is all about like the growth from an adolescent to an adult and you are going to plant a seed as a kid and it's going to grow into a tree when you're an adult and you're going to make a forest in your hometown if you choose to do so and people are running away with that idea in their mind and this is a famous line that he said because what happens is there's a story-based moment where you set press a to plant seed <laughs> and then right. you press a to fast forward to teen link and then you all of a sudden have a tree there but the point is that he's he was able to sell this story of like what if the things that you did when you were a kid in this game mattered and you grew over time that's another thing that we're not even talking about here but like this is another thing games try to do all the way back in the day like and i even referenced zelda did this too right like you're a kid link now you're teen link right now you're like old link or whatever the right like you're growing throughout time how can we have these games impact time and the moral of the story is we're still chasing that golden goose. Mm -hmm. Speaking of golden gooses, there was a point in this game where nothing that I'm going to say is going to connect to, but I'm bringing us back to life is strange. So, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm actually curious, you guys, if we can center it a little bit. How did this second section land in comparison to the first one? Like, you know, we had some questions about where this was going to go, whether we wanted to see where it was going to go. I think everyone was excited to see where it was going to go, but, but, but did it? In other words, like, was it better here? Like, did it wrap? Like, this is the part of the game where, like, we've already talked about all these choice games have to, like, really give us the payoff, which is pretty hard, and Council could not do it. Um, how do we feel about this? Does it, did, like, like, are we thinking this second half redeemed the game, it continued the game, or it hampered it, or, or what do you guys think? Wait, were you asking the, about this... these episodes versus the previous episodes? You mean episodes the third half? Before the storm versus the original Life is Strange. Episode three versus one and two. Okay. I, I, I think episode three felt, felt simultaneously drawn out and rushed. Mm. And I think it definitely felt drawn out in terms of dialogue. And we often <laughs> joked about it during the playthrough where, holy cow, some of these dialogues are just delivered in the slowest possible way. Yeah. Like, yeah. you almost wish you could fast forward the game like 1.5 speed and then they'd be having a normal conversation. I like had to um, actually check and this is not a real uh reality, but it's something that is ingrained in my my soul. I was like, did I accidentally 0.75 this YouTube video? <laughs> like it's like <laughs> it's like how I felt watching. I mean, did you guys feel that? I felt that. Yeah. Is is that possible? Right. You know, like did I could I have done that? Yeah, definitely. It it definitely felt that like they they lingered a lot on conversations that needed to be shorter and then I also just felt it was too rushed in the sense that and and obviously that's just this just comes back into the complaint of it being a prequel but a prequel kind of highlights the plot holes that the original piece of work established like so for me it's like I was expecting to get a lot more. I guess I just had more expectations that there would be further explanations into Rachel as we knew her from Max's perspective in terms of this is the Rachel that's going to run away and she's going to start a relationship with Frank. But she also was a thing with Chloe. Like, how did that happen <laughs> exactly? Um, and then at some point, Rachel's going to meet Jefferson and Jefferson's going to, like, you know, murder her. 
like we don't necessarily need to see the meeting of Jefferson per se, but like I was just kind of more inclined to just I was just more curious as to how you transition from Chloe to Frank. And they kind of hint at it in episode three, just in that they's Frank and Rachel have a run in at the junkyard. But it's not really established that like those two are going to be an item soon um, at all. And I think I'm just still confused as to how that happened. And I think I've just kind of come to the conclusion that the prequel just decided to gloss over that detail and kind of keep it as like a plot hole and more focus just on the relationship with Chloe. It kind of felt like is, uh, yeah. you were saying it was a different studio that did this. And it kind of felt like in some ways they were like, well, we're distancing ourselves from the first one because we don't <laughs> want to be responsible for all that. But you shit. can't because that was some weird it. shit because it yeah. is. This is a prequel to that game. Like there is no when distance. They didn't distance themselves at the end and they just show the oh, binder. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, that's that's just another thing, too, though, like it. This game also just felt very, uh, or this episode just felt particularly, like I said, just like they, like the game kind of gave us a middle finger being like, and Rachel dies anyway. Like that final mm -hmm. shot, like I wish they just left episode three with showing Chloe yeah. and Rachel like happily ever after. Yeah. And as gamers, we can be like, oh, well, this is bittersweet, like we know Rachel dies eventually like this is bittersweet but instead they have to do the final vignette of like ah here's Chloe calling Rachel 17 times and you hear Jefferson taking photos in the background and you're like fuck yeah. I didn't need this shit yeah <laughs> yeah I think to like talk about pacing like that was I that did not land for me in terms of the pacing of the game um which okay right, cuz it was right after like, they were doing the happily ever after scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was definitely two years later, just based on mm -hmm. Life yeah. is Strange timeline. So and they think... kind of, the the one, like, horizontal wipe to that scene or whatever they did right. was yeah, a exactly. two-year transition. transition. Yeah. transition. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think, too, like, we were all sitting there watching it, like, having that bittersweet moment that Joey, Zoe was just talking about. Like, um, except for Raphael, yeah. who hasn't played the first game. Sorry, Raphael. But, like, the rest of us were like, oh, man, like, look at they're so happy, like, so nice, you know, so sad kind of thing. Like, we emotionally, that hit the right notes for us. But then them just flashing that little bit at the end, you're just like, oh, come on. It just felt, un yeah. I don't know. Well, but so this is sort of their style, and I think we'd be remiss not to mention one at least more section uh, where it's the play scene where you're in a play car with your dad, and then he gets run over, and it's like this dream sequence, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of lands, you know what I'm saying, in a way mm -hmm. that feels kind of strange for a game like this that has been whiffing left and right as hard as it possibly can. Okay, I might be doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, and then boom. Yeah, and then oh, boom yeah, and then the boom. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's another um, pacing mishap. So I actually uh, like think the timing Just is there choice. for the comedy. Like I think it is funny, but I think the problem is 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 rooted in the fact that they're actually landing the previous scene in a way that uh, 
I think we all were like, oh my God, we're actually feeling something in a yeah. way that's working. So like, why would you? But yeah. but when we talk about the pacing of this, I know there's like a previous topic, but I really did want to uh, point out one more thing about it. Is, it. is it, to me, I think about it in a sound way. Like I, I model it in the same way I model sound where it's like, it's, um and hearing and listening. It's like, um there, there's, I think different media on different mediums can choose to have a sensitivity to these sorts of emotional things. And I think Life is Strange is often very loud, It off, which means it's smashing you over the head with the foreshadowing of the fire. Like, you know, it's just like we talked about this, like the foreshadowing is just out of control in a game like this. So it's very loud. It doesn't require much subtlety and much detail and much elegance to tease out the sort of narrative and the, the foreshadowing stuff like that, right? Um, but there are occasional moments of this game that are quiet. There are just occasional moments, and what I mean by that is that you have to listen very carefully to what's happening. You have to feel it. You have to, like, open yourself to the experience. And the unfortunate part about this game, and I think this is kind of what we're recalling to, is when we, like, slow down, listen very carefully, it's quiet. They kind of end up shouting at the end of that scene. They smash you with something really hard. And I think that happens a bunch of times here. And that's kind of the bookends you guys were talking about earlier with the scene with Elliot and stuff like that. But it's just like they they go from something that's that's kind of delicate and quiet to loud again. And that I think in an emotional sense is really hard to actually like parse in a way or like swallow even. It's just like, whoa. And and uh, yeah, that's, that's the way I put it. It's like they're smashing you over the head with something and then they try to hit you with something a little delicate and you're like, oh, I'm actually vibing with this delicate thing. It's like kind of cool the way you're doing this. And then they can't stick to that for too long. Like it's just not their style and they may not be capable of doing it. So that's unfortunate. Mm. Unlucky, really. Has Gabe responded with a review or shall we read? Well, I was, gonna, I was actually going to ask like Raphael, having not played the first game, like how did you think that this game wrapped up um so i mean i think i definitely had fewer expectations um i mean you were definitely collectively like saying a lot of spoilers for what was going to happen and that didn't really have that much meaning to me i guess uh because i didn't have the the context for for like the the photography teacher for example and the the binder um that being said i don't know i it seemed more or less consistent with the rest of the game uh i didn't have a whole lot of expectations and it delivered about as much as i expected (laughs) that was very kind of you the way you worded that but also (laughs) such a diss and i really liked it can I can I just say that I had extremely low expectations and um they were exceeded by this by some parts of this game. So I mean that's you know. bordering on a review. Any I was gonna say maybe in your review section you can I, I'm curious like what parts probably exceeded for yeah, you. Sure. Um yeah, are are we there then? I think we're ready. So right. should we maximize the time for Gabe or minimize it? I think it's over, bro. If he hasn't texted by now, we really I think it's review. done. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. 
think we gotta. I think you should go first. Let's hear. Let's hear Gabe's review. Okay, let's hear Gabe's review. All right. So Gabe, Gabe says. Read by <clears throat> As a gaming newbie, I am so fortunate to have been recommended this. If you like narrative, puzzles, and characters, there is everything to love about Life is Strange Before the Storm. Gold star. Reasonable. <laughs> wow, that was so incredibly Gabe. I'm just blown away. I know. Um, yeah. And I'd now like to, I, I couldn't let, we, Gabe, I'm so sorry. Gabe did write a review in. I had it on oh, my no. phone. <laughs> and I just, I really wanted to hear the review that Zoe had picked. And I thought comedically we couldn't lose that moment. But here is Gabe's other review. He's got kind of a. Please just so read as a gaming what Zoe just said, if you no. can do it, do it. <laughs> as what a is newbie Gabe's review gamer. and why does it start with as a gaming newbie? <laughs> as a gaming newbie, Gabe says, oh, fuck. Gamers. I'd give it a meh leaning towards one thumb. This one is super cringe, but some of the moments, themes, and the ending scene especially just hit different. End of mm-hmm. review. Gabe, we love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gold Star, go. congrats on finishing your first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And scene. <laughs> yeah, who goes next? Uh, anyone. I was going to say, a gay, a Gabe can't pass the baton, so someone needs to pass the baton for Gabe. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like you've, you've said it. Cool. That's me. <laughs> you pass yourself. I'll grab it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to probably give this game a meh, um, mainly in the sense that, like, obviously with everything we've said in, during this podcast, like, I just think this game would have just been better done in a different medium or the story could have been told as a different medium, um, but I think just specifically as a prequel itself, like I would be fine if Life is Strange kept its decision-based uh, style. But then I think before the storm needed to be a visual novel or like, I don't know, like a comic or something, you know, just something for the fans of the franchise to still purchase and support and consume and love. Because I really just felt like the gameplay got in the way so much um, with what this story had to say and it really just ended up highlighting a lot of the plot holes but just also a lot of where the writing would fall flat which is unfortunate because I actually think the writing in this game is really good in some certain areas um, I think I said in the first episode that we did of this like I really like the conversations that Chloe has with her dad and getting to terms with his untimely death uh, and trying to process that grief while also at while also sa- simultaneously trying to figure out how to navigate a relationship with somebody who is also confronting their own demons. Um, that being said, I think like the character of Rachel, as mysterious as she was in the first game, I think she. She had some dimensionality in this game, but I I would have just liked to see so much more of what her draw was. Um, I, I think that the character of Rachel Amber kind of fell a little flat in some areas, um, which is unfortunate. So I think overall, meh. Um, 
but if you if you like the Life is Strange franchise, then I'd, I'd give it a shot. Uh, but obviously, just do it with the intention of knowing that your decisions don't matter. <laughs> and that we spoiled the whole game for you. That is true. Uh, I'm going to pass the baton to James. Oh, me. Okay. Yeah, so I was... Um, I really didn't like Life is Strange. I just... I have very little respect for that game. Um, I think that... Um, the... The, the choices that the writers made um, were often not good. Um, and uh, based on that, I was not expecting really anything out of this game. I was expecting another, you know, thumbs down, like, what the fuck these characters are all, like, horrible at being humans. Not just like being not horrible humans, but like terrible at existing in the world. Um, and I, I, um, I was really pleasantly surprised by some of the scenes. As uh, as Zoe mentioned, there was there was some some glimmers of really good writing and um, really good, really well expressed emotion. Um, the scenes with Chloe um, talking to her father in um, sort of dream sequences. Um, the uh, the junkyard. Um, scene and. Um, yeah, and that actually um, parts of that scene. In. Uh, What's his name? His office, the DA's office. Um, I thought that was pretty impressive as well. Um, but then, is his name James? Oh yeah, I think his name it is, is James. Is wow. James. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but I still feel like the writers of this game have not given any reason why these characters need to be the ones that are solving these problems. Um, and like that point almost hits home more with 16 year olds than with 18 year olds, but like they're all fucking children and like Chloe going after a drug dealer by herself with a hostage situation is just, it's the dumbest shit. It's like, why would you think that that was the right choice? Nobody would think that that's the right choice. He doesn't even say, don't go to the cops. Like that didn't even enter his mind to say, and it didn't even enter her mind to tell the cops that were literally at the house she was at. <laughs> <laughs> that there's a hostage situation and she knows where it is. Like these writers have a thing for just letting that shit go. 
and um, it's it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, so uh, pleasantly surprised that I didn't hate every part of this game. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> so it's a meh. Right. Uh, yeah. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Um, the rap battles were fun though. Legitimately the the like argument mechanic, I think that that's hilarious. And I enjoyed doing those with you guys. Oh, side note sparring over the pudding cup. I felt like the best <laughs> yeah. person oh and my the God. worst person. You guys egg that on. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. I want no part I of that. I wanted to see just how uh, how she would take no being. prisoners with getting a pudding cup from a guy who's in his hospital bed. She goes and to visit this she guy she doesn't even like. And steal his nice pudding. Person. And then steal his pudding. What the fuck? That was like their way of writing in a situation where they were like this we just want to really be elegant about showing like how much your choices do matter or don't matter and like this is our example. I mean, emotionally, it was impactful. <laughs> right. Yeah. We yeah. ate his pudding. And we felt bad about it. Yeah, y'all pieces of shit, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's in character. Yeah, because she's a piece of shit. <laughs> All right, James, who you toss All right, to? James, pass that baton. Oh, yeah, baton pass. Um, Elena. Interesting. Um, okay. I echo some of the same sentiments as James has said that I, I was, you know, pleasantly surprised, I guess, by some of the writing in this game. Um, in terms of that, some parts that some of the, the, the emotional notes of this game, like, really did hit. And as McCoy and Zoe called it, it would become YouTuber hard mode. We would all kind of, would kind of we would all just collectively sit there and, like, be like, okay. We feel that feeling. Um, you know, I think, for example, the scene in the junkyard when Chloe finds um, her dad's wrecked car is, like, really well put together, emotionally hits, well-paced, all that, like, good stuff. Um, I appreciated that, in some ways, this game hung together better than Life is Strange 1. Where, like, in Life is Strange 1, you just would rifle through people's rooms and discover, like, an entire brief, but, like, super intense subplot that was happening in there um and this game took a took a little longer there you get got more time to kind of like see interactions with characters before you had a moment with them and and meet them i think like the drew sequence is a good um example of that where like you have several interactions with both with all the characters involved in that before the scene unfolds and that decision moment while we discussed at length how decisions don't really matter it felt emotionally salient or you felt like you were making a moral slash like ethical choice um in that moment and so i think in in a lot of ways i think that the writing of this game is better and i and i um enjoyed it more than the first one i I have a I have a hard time with the rating for this game because like do I think that this is the greatest game ever made? Obviously not. Um uh, I feel like those moments that hit deserve at least a thumb. And I'm going to give it like a a cautious thumb in terms of like there is there are good moments and good writing in this game. 
um they're also are supposed to they just are bad like the the transition from max's like very quippy character to chloe's not so quippy character made their formula of having a million things for you to interact with in the world really boring um it made the game really drag in places but some of the emotional beats really worked and i think um you know it's a thumb but a cautious cautious thumb but it's a thumb and i will toss to Raphael. Uh, so I was kind of thinking, like, initially that this was, like, a, a a one thumb up for me, and that it's just, like, I don't know, I enjoyed some of the experience, I didn't hate it, uh, but I was thinking now, sort of leading up to today, that really, like, as soon as we were done with the game, I was just not even thinking about it, like, any segment of it, mm-hmm. I was done thinking about it. Like, no. practically while we were playing it, I was like, well, but what are we going to play next? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like any game where that's the case, just like, that is a meh, right? That's mm-hmm. what a meh means. Like, I'm, I'm literally going meh right now. Uh, and in some ways that's unfortunate because I, I, I recognize that, like, it did have those emotional hits. Uh, and I think it did do some things well, but it also did a lot pretty crappily, <laughs> and it really didn't stand out to me in any like memorable, lasting way. So, yeah. mm-hmm. meh. And this leaves McCoy. It does. And then all the unicorns died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I slayed them all before my review just to make sure that I could like have the. The creative uh, power necessary. Yeah. Dark. I didn't say it. Um, but yeah. Uh, I okay. It was like I don't know. It's like it, to me, it's continuing a little bit from the narrative of last week, which is just that. Um, truthfully, like, I, I think like a, like a good bad, sort of spectrum, like what is a good game, what is a bad game. Uh, is something that, and what is good writing and what is bad writing, really fails to capture these types of games. Like, it fails to capture The Council, right? It fails to capture Life is Strange, the original, I think, personally, in that I I do see where a lot of people have said and have pointed out that things that are better about this game from the, than the first, and I agree when, you are, when I'm looking at the spectrum that you are looking at in terms of, like, we're getting to good writing, but similar to what I said for Detroit Become Human, it's like now you have to compare yourself to things that are actually good and you are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like, and whereas before you could have played in the playground of silly and fun and ridiculous and some bullshit that you might laugh at, but now you're trying to be real. And if you're trying to be real, there's a long way to go before you get there. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I really want to bring, and I, I think it's kind of a, an un, well, it's not an unfair comparison. I think it's a fair comparison, but they're not exactly the same. But if you think of Heavy Rain and then you think of Detroit, that to me is the same difference as Life is Strange 1 and Life is Strange Before the Storm. Whereas Life is Strange 1 is Heavy Rain, where it's like, it's just, and, and I, I think Heavy Rain is a better thing at this than Life is Strange is, but they're both 
like ridiculous and eye rolly and groany and just like just silly and crazy and kind of a ride and you're just like wow what the fuck is going on and like all the characters and like it's so easy to talk about all the things that you think quote went wrong with heavy rain but heavy rain is a work of art now if people were to sit there and to fix heavy rain you would be left with a terrible game but instead you have this game that you can come back to every couple of years and think that is some bullshit but with a smile on your face and i think that's what life is strange before the storm is is unfortunately it is like they tried to improve on that game but they did it on the spectrum that people are talking about which is good to bad and as a result it has less value to me i think for what life is strange was going for it is worse in every way unfortunately um it is kind of a, a neutered life is strange. Like the decisions matter less, like the mechanics matter less. Like they, they took the rewind time out of this game, which was the whole premise of mm -hmm. the first one. The, yeah, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. I think in many ways, yeah, like I'm saying, and I guess I'm saying it again because maybe I think people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Reference. Referencing. Reference. Um, <laughs> Nailed it. No, but seriously, like I, I, I actually just, don't think any of the improvements in this game made it a better experience. I actually think it made it a worse one and a worse one to go through. And I reflect on that a lot. And I think as a result, it's a meh. I think it's... What? No, nothing. I just feel cheated because literally right before the podcast, we were outside and you're like, it's at least a thumb, right? And we like cited some moments and now I'm, you know, it's fine. I baited you. I feel baited. Yeah, you need to be strong in your opinion, yeah. Fuck. I, uh, next time I'll see if I can get nope, a gold star. It's on record now. Bring it up during game of the year. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, no. I just like, it's not. It's not. In my opinion. I agree, probably. What? I don't know. Just keep going. I'm fine. I'm gonna I'm going to mention in the ratings I put for Elena cautious thumb and then in parentheses I put and was later betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> It's not portrayed. I just, no, no, it's just, this is, I mean, if you, I think if you had been listening to any of the, no, I mean, no. I literally made this point last week, right? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah, I can yeah. take it. Not important to listen to that. But yeah, like it's, it's just, that's, that's the way I think about it. It's like, this was a less enjoyable experience mm -hmm. and it's because it's quote better. And as a result, it is worse. And so there you go. Um, I think thumbs down would be kind of cruel to something like this. Um, so I'm going to leave it at a meh. It's not that bad, you guys. Jesus Christ. But is it forgettable? Like Raphael said, absolutely. It's I think that's forgotten. a good... I think that was a good qualification mm -hmm. of it, Raphael. Like, I think that made me think. Yeah. Mm. So he betrayed you, too. No, I'm fine. <laughs> you seem fine. I said cautious them. Mm -hmm. I thought it deserved a little bit of recognition for some of the things that it does well. Yet you were dumbfounded mm -hmm. at how those seem to not. I also add always any get baited. Do you want to know what really happens? I, mean, Here's I what... think all of us were leaning a little bit like yeah. we we did get something out of it. Yeah. I think too. What always happens to me, every time I come on the pod, pretty much every time I come on the podcast, is like once we talk about it for a while, I'm like, oh yeah, and I just think favorably about the experiences that yeah. we have together. And like I like mm -hmm. I enjoy talking about it so much. I'm like, yeah, it's totally a two thumbs, or it's totally. I think I always edge up after we've talked because in my mind now this is part of the experience, and I enjoyed this part. But you know, so I'm I'm fine with that. Like I think I always round up kind of in the end. And that's potentially just a great outlook on life. So like, I'm just optimistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, look, like, I, I, I don't know the podcast experience adding to it 
is a dangerous thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, objectively, objectively, it's wrong. No, 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 no. Well, it's just that, like, it's don't a... let this get your rating down. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's a beautiful thing. Like, if we all think about the fact mm-hmm. that yes, the podcast, both listening to it, I'm sure the listeners feel this way to some degree on some episodes, but at, at us at least talking about it, I know we've all talked about it behind the scenes. It, yeah, it's fucking awesome to yeah. really get to the bottom of it, good or bad. That's a great experience. It's the same similar concept, although it's maybe a bridge too far for playing a game together right like oh you had your fun with your friends like does the game deserve the credit i i think if it's a good backdrop it does um and bringing it back to my review i think that's why this game was not as good of a backdrop i'm afraid mm-hmm. um mm. and and that's okay but what i will say is that it makes me nervous for life is strange too which i haven't played and apparently it's already out and people already apparently know how it but is but that's back to like don't nod or whatever it's back to the mm-hmm. shitty writers, so chances are... Shout out to Don't Nod. Um, <laughs> don't I Nod. Mean, like, dash, the shitty writers, dash. This is James', James personal opinion. Yeah. yeah. Please don't this is my us. personal opinion about the fact that they're shitty... Yeah, they're shitty writers. And um, that adds, you know, some amount of value to some people. I And, uh, yeah. and fun, fun experiences. Yeah, I just wonder, wacky shit happens. Does like because this game, I think part of the game, reason why this game really suffered is because it took steps away from Max and Chloe's relationship and then tried to make another one sort of similar but just worse in essentially every way. For me, mm. mm-hmm. but like, is Life is Strange two back to Max and Chloe? It's not right. It can't no, be. No, I think it's no, it's not different no. characters. No. Right, it's different characters. It's yeah. it's about some brothers. So I don't know obviously right it could be good i'm willing to say it's awful i think the fa- i think they they Let's... only had one good thing going they stepped farther away from it here i'm willing to say if they step further away from it i'm nervous now again like i'm not saying like that i'm right i'm just saying this is the model that i'm looking at this game in this series and i fear for that next one and i fear for a third one if they step further because i don't think they're capable of stepping farther away from the things that are working in this game and 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 having it be redeemable so we shall see maybe someday yeah and there you have we'll have it. to decide which brother is the chloe brother and which brother is the max brother mm-hmm. and which one lives <laughs> i was like, like yeah. no okay. i mean you think that's fucked up but like don't don't look at me look at the game oh it's a fact that one of them is gonna die yeah they might it's both the older die. one. Hot takes. If you know what the happens in Life is Strange 2, don't write into us. We may or may not play that game. Yeah. Do not spoil it. <laughs> but we already know the older brother's going to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 exactly. Oh, but if they pull, like, spoilers, insert title of famous games here, they could go for the younger brother, and that one's impactful, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah, younger brother hits, hits hard as well. Um... But I guess... Yeah, but the older brother is... Well, they don't have any interest in removing, like, power structures. So, there's... <laughs> there's a reason why in the young adult um, genre, there's so many orphans. And it's because young adults go to their parents when they have to deal with difficult shit. Mm-hmm. And... So you get rid of their parents so that the kid has to deal with it, right? Right. This is kind of what I was thinking about the police and Max in the first game. 
um, like they didn't get rid of the police and so she should have gone to them. Um, but that's, that's the older brother, right? Mm -hmm. So the younger brother has to deal with shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if this happens, we'll ask your brother. Yeah, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but I think next week we're going to do a deliberations episode because we need to figure out what the fuck we are up to. Yeah, we finished a couple of blocks. We did. We did the Bastion block. Uh, what is that? Uh, the Super, Super Giant, Giant Games Super block. Super Giant. Yeah. We did the Life is Strange mm -hmm. block. That's right. Now, we did a Valorant 5 stack. Yes, we did. We're... Is that one ever done? Yo, no, that one's forever. But the new, yeah, the new map is flames. It is flames. I mean, I assume, yeah. And by Talk flames, later. I mean it's either you are burning alive on the A side, <laughs> or you're having a fun time on T side, just rocking their world. But if you want to hear more about yeah. that, there's nowhere to find that. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you, you know, watch that. Iceland, but they're not going to do shit. That. Okay, let's not get into a Valorant thing, even though I love that shit. I think it is time for me to end this podcast and potentially go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Great ending. All right. Yeah. Hit the stop button. <laughs> yeah. Please remember to drink water and go to the bathroom at necessary intervals. You can pause this shit. We can't. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, ba -da, ba -da. Okay, hit the stop button. Yeah, sure. <laughs>